Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for everything that's happening in and around Chicago. And this weekend, that means a behind-the-scenes look at a part of Chicago that's usually off-limits. I'm talking about some of its beloved buildings, from the most iconic spots to the little-known hidden gems. Your chance to explore it all is almost here. Open House Chicago is a public festival put on by the Chicago Architecture Center. And this year, buildings in more than 20 neighborhoods across the city are open to the public. That means this is your chance to go on a very architectural, very Chicago-y adventure. Here to tell us more about what to expect from the festival is Hallie Rosen, Director of Program Operations and Head of Open House Chicago. Hallie, what is your favorite part about Open House Chicago? What's unique about this kind of festival? I think my favorite part personally is just this whole looky-loo factor, which I think you try to capture right at the beginning. You know, we walk by these buildings all the time, whether we're downtown or in Chicago's neighborhoods, and this is our opportunity to go inside. So I think it appeals to people who uh, just love Chicago's architecture and want to know what's inside these buildings, but it also appeals to the neighborhood person who walks by the Central Park Theater in North Lawndale or the Forum in Bronzeville, and those sites are not open on a regular basis. They're usually only open on Open House Chicago weekend, and this is their chance to go inside and see what's inside these amazing architectural gems. So for the listener out there, Hallie, who's wondering, you know, why do all of these places want to let in the general public? What do you say to that? Um, I think there's a variety of different answers for that questions. One is a lot of uh, sites realize their own uh, architectural history, the amazing things people can see inside, their cultural history, or even their um, historic history. So that's one reason. Then there's some sites like the Forum or like the Central Park Theater or the Avalon Regal Theater that um, there are currently uh, uh, projects right now to help preserve these sites. And so this is an opportunity to really heighten the public's awareness about uh, architecture preservation. So that's another reason. We also have architecture firms who participate. No one ever gets to go in there. And it's a great way to see models of amazing buildings um, that are designed that exists all around the world, but are designed here in Chicago. So every place that's part of Open House Chicago has their different reason for Mm -hmm. wanting to, for their site to be open. So what do you keep in mind when you think about adding new sites? Well, this year, one of the things we really have done is we, the pre-pandemic, uh, 2019 was our biggest amount of sites participating in Open House Chicago, and that was over 350 sites. This year, we purposely scaled back in that we have 150 sites, we're going to be in 20 different neighborhoods, and we really want to encourage the public to see the sites, but also to really spend time and explore the neighborhoods where we're going to be in. So we really 
really made an effort to have between four and seven sites at each neighborhood. So there's definitely a cluster of sites that people can visit. Mm -hmm. Um, We have our new CAC app, which has a whole section about Open House Chicago. People can download it. Now we have these great uh, self-guided tours that people can do in 14 of the new of the neighborhoods participating. And this is something you do at your leisure. You open the app, you look at the uh, self-guided tour, you learn a little more about a neighborhood and some of the sites in the neighborhood. And then we also have a whole explore like a local section as well. And we have community partners that uh, help promote the program and they've made recommendations of things people can do in the neighborhood. So there's just a lot more um, exploration that we really were hoping to expand beyond uh, the architectural sites. But we have lots of those too. There's still 150, and I don't think anyone has ever visited 150 sites mm, in one right. weekend. That's for sure. You include also a number of places that are of note for their cultural contributions. Why? Um, because I think when we think about architecture, it doesn't really exist in a vacuum. There's people that use, you know, the, it, it doesn't it exist, of course, because it exists, but it's really the people that bring it alive. It's the history that brings it alive. And I think there's a real um, desire for us to learn the stories of these buildings. And so that's why we include the cultural uh, things that are culturally significant as well. And in a city like Chicago, there's been a big uh, movement towards doing this. Um, I, I'm, the, the Muddy Waters Museum comes to mind, mm-hmm. not necessarily an architecturally significant building, but certainly a culturally significant building. I see. Um, so not on uh, not an OHC site, but it's just something that comes to mind just in general for me. Right. As as for the talks and, and virtual programming, can you briefly tell us some of the themes there and anything that you're particularly looking forward to? Yep. Those do not happen on OHC weekend. There's a lot of programs. We have four programs that are happening after OHC weekend. If you go to our website at um, openhousechicago.org, you can find out more about those programs. But really the purpose of those programs was to continue this neighborhood exploration and for people to learn a little more about the history of different neighborhoods. Um, But also we want to highlight, continue to highlight the architecture as well. So two programs come to mind, one on October 23rd at 4.30 in the uh, afternoon, we're showing uh, showing a screening of a film about Bishop, about Robert's Temple, um, which is located in Bronzeville. There's a big movement for preserving this uh, building, which is already landmarked. And this has uh, important significance, not only to Bronzeville, but to Chicago and also around the world Mm -hmm. in that it's considered the birthplace of gospel music, Sister Loretta Tharp got her started, uh, Robert's Temple. Mm-hmm. And then on a sadder note, this is where uh, Emmett, Till, Emmett Till's funeral was. Right. So we're going to have showing the film about the legacy of Robert's Temple. And then we have the filmmaker and some of the folks working on pre- preserving the building as part of our panel discussion. And the other program I wanted to mention is on October 18th, and this is for the looky-loo factor. 
Um, it's called Inside the Architects Studio. Mm -hmm. So we've chosen uh, five architect studios that are not in Open House Chicago. And we invited representatives to talk about how they designed their studio, studio space and um, how it fits their needs. And so people will get a chance to look at some of uh, Chicago's great architecture firms, including Ross Barney Architects. Um, oh, of course, now you're asking if they go right out of my head, but <laughs> Ross Barney Architects, um, uh, Perkins and Will, Dam, Dam Architects. So there's several yeah. uh, firms and people can find out about it, uh, openhousechicago.org. These Wonderful. programs are virtual and free. And is is that where they need to go ahead of time to purchase tickets to visit the sites, or do they, they just show up uh, for the uh, for the for open house the sites and open for open house Chicago weekend? You do not need to purchase tickets to do the program. All you need to do is just show up. Our sites and volunteers are ha well ha ready to greet you. Um, nice. But if you want to plan for it, go to our website. All the sites are listed right now, and you could start planning. That was Hallie Rosen, Director of Program Operations for Open House Chicago. If you prefer to watch, two reset producers are actually out right now. They are checking out some of the sites on this wonderful list. You can actually take a look at what our producers have found right now on our Twitter and Facebook pages. We are at WBEZ Reset. Thanks for making the time, Hallie. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, so we got the gist of Open House Chicago and what to expect. But before you get lost in the glitz and glamour of buildings in the loop, we want to draw your attention to some spots across the city that you won't want to miss, specifically art centers. Let's start in Lincoln Square, where you can find the longest-running independent printmaking workspace in the city. Deborah Maris Later is the director and founder of Chicago Printmakers Collaborative. Deborah, from concert posters to labor organizing flyers, the printmaking art form is broader than I think many folks realize. It also includes etching and stone lithography, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sort of the, the old technologies we're using them for art purposes. And like you said, in addition to activism and other things like that, right. and the long history of print in Chicago, we also, you know, it's a fine art medium. So it's, it's got a vast sort of uh, a broad spectrum. Yeah, help us picture what these different methods look like. I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> Help us picture what these different methods look like and, and perhaps even where we can find this kind of art around the city. Well, um, printmaking, uh, we at the Collaborative, we actually, in addition to um, having a space for artists who work in the printmaking mediums, and that includes woodcuts, relief, you know, a little bit of letterpress, um, screen printing. We also, um, we have a gallery that, showcases printmaking from all over the world. So uh, people can come and look at prints and then also appreciate the way they're made because there's artists, there are artists working on the presses and etching would be, you know, incised in metal and a screen print is pulled, you know, ink is pushed through a screen. And we're excited because this weekend we're actually going to be demonstrating this for the public. Mm -hmm. And for many people, it's the first time they've ever seen such a thing. Because when you hear print, it could mean a lot of things, but you know, when you really see it, you can really appreciate um, the way they look and the intimacy of them. Yeah. Tell us more about your space and what you offer. Well, we offer, uh, like I said, press time for artists who are experienced in printmaking and these different methods are very laborious. They're very, um, they take up certain kinds of craftspersonship. 
so people learn this technique usually in schools or from us at the studio. We teach classes in all of these mediums. Um, we've been around a long time, so we are definitely a community of printmakers from in the city and beyond and uh, sort of a meeting place with, for dialogue and other things and education uh, as well as a you know gallery showcase. Um, and the space itself is you know, just this big space devoted to the showing and the making of of prints. And it and what's interesting about the this coming weekend is we have two artists that feature Chicago architecture in their work. Right. Yeah. Tell us more about that. You've got some artist demos. Yes. Um, I think, like I said, the, you know, when you see this stuff demonstrated, it really comes to life. And yeah. we have the amazing Hiroshi Ariyama who is going to be making, you know, five, six color screen print in front of everybody. So if you can stay on a, um, Saturday at the beginning and you come again at the end on Sunday, you're going to see the the trajectory of his his piece um, in full color. Um, and Dennis O'Malley is uh, does Chicago architectural scenes in his for plate etchings, which is where, you know, you put an acid resist on a plate and you etch it in acid and then you print it off the press and he's going to be printing these for and then oftentimes he goes in and then he hand paints these but again two artists who feature chicago architecture is a nice tie-in with you know history of print and um the city and this event of course and we also have a a hands-on work the thing you could do as a visitor as well yeah no that sounds great i I, i'm just Two years here in the city, and I've already discovered how much Chicago is just known for printmaking. It's it's this medium is such a big deal here, and, and I know that this isn't your oh, first yeah. time being featured, Deborah, in Open House Chicago. So you've got your diehard fans, I'm sure, that come back every year. But for the person that's on the fence listening to us right now, make your pitch. Mm-hmm. What is it that stands <laughs> out about this year? <laughs> Well, again, um, you know, we love our newbies. We love the people who've never been there before because yes. they'll come in and they'll watch Dennis reveal. We call this the, the reveal. There's a reason for it. It reveals the image from this plate that's been inked up and he's talking about how it's made. And literally, especially the new people, they give him a standing. You there, Deborah? Yeah, I am. Did I cut out? You're back now. What were you saying? Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, the reveal of the print coming off of the plate, uh, the people who come into the shop, they get so excited, they start clapping and give them a standing ovation. I mean, it's really exciting. Um, we also have an activity for visitors. We're doing a little frottage where people can do rubbings of architectural materials and make images with it. Plus, we have some wow. blocks they can no, like do rubbings like you would in a cemetery or mm-hmm. something like that. So they can have a little takeaway. So kids love that and people bring their families. And I do think that they we have, you know, fans for life when when they've come through and seen a demonstration like that. Or they'll take a class or something like that. But we have a lot of fun. And I, I do want to do a little plug for our pals over at Starshape Press over on Ravenswood. Okay. Who are also open for Open House Chicago. And they're doing letterpress over there. And she's. Jen Farrell runs that operation, and she's one of the you know foremost letterpress artists in the country. Cool. So definitely head over there. We're only about ten minutes away, so you can hit both uh, printmaking hubs awesome. uh, in one area. Well, that was a great preview. Yeah. That's uh, Deborah Maris Later, director and founder of the Chicago Printmakers Collaborative. We appreciate your time, Deborah. Oh well, thanks for having me, and uh, have a great day.
Next, we go to Austin, which boasts a mid-century modern 850-seat auditorium and performing space on the corner of Washington Boulevard and Central Avenue. The K Ryan Center for the Arts has hosted everything and everyone from Ricardo Muti to high school graduations and Christmas pageants to the upcoming He Lives, a gospel according to the Wiz production. Ed Siderwitz is the external director of the K Ryan Center, and he's been around since the beginning. Thank you for joining us in studio, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here. So orient us a bit. If I were standing on the corner of Washington Boulevard and Central Avenue, what would I see? You would see a, a, a huge building, and actually it pretty much takes, takes up the entire city block there. There's a school that sits on that building. There's a church that, that operates out of that building. And then there's the K-Rhine Center, which came to life just a few years ago, just prior to the pandemic. You'll see a lot of real yeah. estate. You'll see a lot of life. Well, the K Ryan Center. When you walk into the space, right? It's it's full of light, elegant. I'm hearing the acoustics are even They're amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, give us that feeling when you walk in. It's it's indescribable. Uh, I I saw I saw uh, one of our state reps walk in there uh, not too long ago. Lashawn Ford. He walks in, and he helped bring this back to life. And so he saw pre-construction, post-construction. He walked in, and he had the biggest smile on his face, and he throws his arms up, and he said, this is Austin. Wow. And so, and people tell us that if you just closed your eyes and opened them, you wouldn't know if you were in the Chicago Loop or on the west side of Chicago. I love that. Tell us more about uh, the history of the Art Center and, and just the vision that was involved in making it what it is today. Right. It's a fascinating history, and it, it started out as an all-girls Catholic high school, St. Catherine of Siena, back in 1898, operated by the Sisters of Mercy. Uh, they wound down operations in the 1970s. And then a nonprofit, Circle Urban Ministries, picked up that building in uh, 1975. And uh, Glenn K. Ryan, who first walked me through that space nearly 20 years ago, he, uh, as he told me the story, we were standing on this stage looking out over basically what looked like a cold, dark dungeon and said, Ed, we have to find a way to uh, bring this back to life. Mm-hmm. But he told me a story. He was standing on one of those rooftops during the 19, uh, during the 60s, during the race riots in Chicago, the fires that were burning on the streets. And his and Lonnie's heart were moved to begin a, a work of racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So they picked it up, Circle Urban Ministries. Hence, we, we put their name on it because that is the foundation on which we stand. There's also a school there, Circle Rock School. It's a Chicago public school, K through 8, Okay. Uh, in, in which we have a beautiful partnership with Ravinia Festival, and there's a student orchestra there. So just a lot of activity that's come to life. Yeah, and, and you've got a wide range of performances. How do you decide what you're going to highlight? Yes, it's the first thing we do is we just ask, is it consistent with our mission? Is it about that work of healing, of reconciliation? It was Lonnie and Glenn's vision way back when. Is it about bridging cultures and diverse voices and bringing people together to allow all voices to operate or to, to really be heard there? So we've said yes to, to some things and, and we say no to some things. And uh, But it always comes back to mission. Is it consistent with that mission? Mm-hmm. And I gather reaction from the community is just as it was from Representative Ford. 
it's, as you described. It's been extraordinary, yes. And we've worked very hard at, at rooting this in community. So when we were started building it out, it was a $5 million restoration several years ago, and that was just a labor of love by mm-hmm. friends and family and city and state that all chipped in to make it happen. Um, it's uh, uh, going on about the same time as Austin was developing its quality of life plan. Austin forward, right, and rooted in seven priorities, 80, 80, uh, 84 strategies. And so what we started listening uh, to, to our neighbors as that plan was unfolding, and we ended up uh, listening to them and actually building the space and the vision around those voices. I see. And so. And you continue to engage residents? Totally, totally. It's community-driven. Our Interim executive director is uh, lives in Austin. Uh, our oh, board good. members uh, reflect the community. We want it uh, driven by community, uh, led by community. And uh, our neighbors in Austin has responded very positively. So you have the floor. Tell us what folks can expect this weekend if they come to the K Ryan Center. They can expect an amazing space one. You would never know it driving by down Washington Boulevard around central Washington. Um, it just, it's, it's, as people tell us, it's a hidden jewel in the city. And so they could expect to see a place as beautiful and elegant as a theater space in the loop. And so if you would just hold that for a moment, but many times, unfortunately, we do hear about what's on the news in these communities. This is a different narrative. Yeah. And the community itself is painting, not, not just painting a different narrative, but living into a new narrative. So when you'll see that, and then if you hang a lo- around long enough, there's a production going on this weekend, Friday and Saturday nights. Which one? Uh, it's called, um, it's called, uh, it's, it's, it's on uh, a twist on the Broadway production, The Wiz. Oh, He Lives. He Lives. Yes. Thank you. And it, a local community playwright, right? Mm-hmm. So, so giving the stage to a local playwright that has written a story on The Wiz uh, from a gospel version, if you will. Love that. That that premiere that starts at 7 p.m. both Friday and Saturday nights. How does it feel being part of the lineup for Open House Chicago? Fantastic. Feels like um, we're being included included here, and uh, we've done this uh, for four or five years now, and uh, we're honored to do it, and we're also honored to allow people to see this space and to be inspired by it. That was Ed Sideritz, the external director of the K. Ryan Center for the Arts. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you so much. Looking forward to visiting. Great. All right. Well, let's turn now to S.Y. Lim, director of community and programming at Mana Contemporary in Pilsen. Hi. Welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha and everyone. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining. So for folks who haven't been, Mana was the uh, was a ComEd building, and it's very... Mm-hmm. Industrial. So I want to hear a little bit of that history. Okay. Um, Manic Contemporary's building was designed by George Nimmons and was built in 1926. Uh, the building was used at Commonwealth Edison Building, where they actually generated electricity for the entire city. And now we have over 200 artists in the building, um, and they have their individual studios in the building where they make art. Um, I was actually on the phone with um, Tim Samuelson, who is a city historian, Chicago city historian, and who is also one of our tenants this morning. And I have one fun fact for all of you guys. Yeah, go ahead. So 
uh, one fun fact that I learned today was that um, this building actually had electric vehicles back in the days in 1926. And the wow. electric trucks were service trucks for all the electrics. Um, and then they also built their own radio station uh, on our site to communicate with the trucks. And that is why we still have the antenna up on our roof. Ah, that explains it. I mean, and this is, we're talking a massive building here, right? Nine floors. Mm-hmm. Can you describe it a bit more for us? Like how many artist studios are there? Uh, so we have a little over 200 artists in the building. Wow. Um, some of them share the space. Uh, some of them just use, use it individually. Um, so the building that we use is a nine-story building. And on the first floor lobby, you can see uh, Lauren Bond's neon piece that says, artists need to create on the same scale that society has the capacity to destroy. And it's a giant neon piece that you'll see as you enter. And uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and the eighth floors are the artist studios. Uh, our gallery is located on the fifth floor. We have a Barbara Genevieve Library on the fourth floor. And another fun fact about this building is that on the roof of the building, we also have Peregrine Falcons living. Uh, we have we've partnered with the Field Museum for several years for conservation at Fort, and Mary Hannon from the Field Museum comes in regularly to check the birds and the nest. Um, If you come in on Sunday, um, you will also be able to see two TV monitors screen Mm -hmm. um, right by our elevators, and um, that is a documentation of the video that we took when Mary came in to tag all the baby birds. That is pretty cool. I want to make sure I heard you right. You've got two falcons that live on the roof in this building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they come back and they lay eggs and um, the babies. Uh, we had four babies this wow, year. Wow, how awesome. Around August. Yes, it's pretty amazing. The views are also pretty spectacular, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, from the gallery mm-hmm. space. I mean, even the bathrooms are just really, really nice <laughs> in this I building. I can see all the, you know, I can see the skyline and I'm like, wow, every time when I'm in the bathroom, you know? Yeah. Well, I know that there are also uh, other locations across the country. Um, there's a, a Mena mm-hmm. Contemporary in Jersey City, Miami as well. What would you say mm-hmm. sets this Chicago location apart? Well, can you repeat the last sentence, please? What sets Chicago apart from the other locations oh. that we've got across the country? Um, I mean, we have like these two beautiful peregrine falcons living on top of the building, and that's I think number one. Right. <laughs> and we have we have um, so many artists that are like just fantastic, and I love working with all of them. Um, and we do have one gallery space where we work with other organizations and we partner with different people. Um, so if people are planning to visit on Sunday. Uh, we have an exhibition called Michael Heiser, Hollywood 24. Um, it was presented by Munir Foundation in collaboration with Ion Foundation. Um, they're all based in Jersey, but um, it's really amazing to work with different locations, um, Mana Jersey and Mana Miami all together. Yeah. So can you run through some of the, the, the kinds of programming that happens at, at Mana Contemporary just year round? Uh, yeah, so one thing that I would like to highlight is that um, one of our programs that we have is free 
I mean, all the programs that we have here is free and open to the public, actually. Um, But we have one called Community Lunch. Uh, Community Lunch is an ongoing tradition at Mana Contemporary where artists convene to catch up, meet colleagues, and exchange ideas over lunch. Um, Every month, we invite different people like gallerists, curators, and writers. Um, And this Thursday, actually, we are inviting Carrie Cardoza, um, who's a fantastic writer, nice. art critic, um, and the lunch is obviously on us. Um, so if you, if any of you are free in, um, on Thursday from noon to 1 p.m., uh, please meet us on the fifth floor cafe while Carrie's giving a presentation. And you're inviting these guest speakers on a, a monthly basis? Mm-hmm. And then cool. all of those information can be found on our website, which is manacontemporary.com. This weekend, though, uh, and I know you've already talked about some of, of what's going down on Sunday, uh, but you know, overall this weekend for Open House Chicago, 70 or so studios are going to be open uh, and some mm-hmm. gallery spaces. What should folks keep their eye out for? Uh, so this Sunday, we have our Open House, partnering with Open House Chicago. Um, during our Open House, uh, we'll have around 70 artist studios that are open to the public. Um, Visitors will be able to join the artists and learn about their practice. It can be like a very amazing one-on-one session. Uh, just, you know, see what people are making and what they're thinking. Um, the one that I want to highlight is that on the fifth floor gallery, again, we have Michael Heiser exhibition mm-hmm. uh, presented by Munir Foundation in collaboration with Ion Foundation. Um, these are very beautiful uh, silkscreen prints. So that would be amazing to see. And folks probably don't want to miss the freight elevators. Can you tell us about those? (laughs) Yes, totally. So we do have two freight freight elevators in the building. Um, The elevators must be operated by our staff only for the security reasons and safety reasons. Um, The building has two of them, and we have 24-7 staff for the elevators in the building for tenants. Uh, but the regular hours are 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. for visitors, and Mana Contemporary is um, free and open to the public again. So if you are missing this Sunday, you are more than welcome to visit us again anytime during the week. Um, and, yeah, the freight elevators are just very yeah. beautiful and gorgeous. Um, so That is pretty awesome. It. It's really nice, yeah. That's S.Y. Lim, Director of Programming at Mana Contemporary over in Pilsen. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic and mixed by Brenda Ruiz. Subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date on local news, politics, arts, and culture. We drop an episode in your feed every weekday afternoon, plus Saturdays, too. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.